This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And today it's my great pleasure to welcome Mike Parker, the president of Uni, the freshly rebranded Uni from the United States, North American United States. Mike is a I guess perhaps a, a familiar figure to those listeners in the US after a very long and successful career with, with fellows and in the past few years at uni. Good morning, Mike. Great to see you today. And thank you for being on uh, OPI Talk. Good morning, Andy. And thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Okay, great, great, great to see you. Uh, very quick, as we like to do on these things, a very quick uh, personal and, and career intro for, for yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, like you said, many here in North America would probably be familiar with me. I I spent um, 16 years uh, with Fellows Brands here in Chicago, uh, working with Jamie and John Fellows, and um, and then had a brief departure and got into some small private equity ventures, and then was tapped in 2018 to this exciting venture here at at Uni at Uniball to essentially um, really rebuild a business from scratch. Mm, okay, good. So that, that appointment at Uniball, as it was then, coincided with the ending of this distribution agreement that they'd had or you'd had with uh, Sanford, Newell Brand, New Brands uh, Sanford uh, over many years. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Andy. So, I mean, many would know that um, Newell Brands really acted as the exclusive distributor for Uniball in North America for better part of three decades, really. And so that was primarily the route to market uh, for the Uniball brand here in North America. And um, yeah, they, I think both parties reached a juncture where they, they felt like uh, they wanted to pursue a different path. And um, that was the beginning of what we affectionately referred to as our 135-year-old startup business. <laughs> I saw that uh, that comment in, in your press release. So, how, in terms of a start, yeah, how, how do you see yourself as a startup? Then, what what uh, what aspects of a startup do, do you have now at uni? Yeah. Well, again, we have the beauty of this very rich heritage of our parent company, uh, Uni Mitsubishi Pencil Company, established in 1887 in Japan. Um, so we have this very, very rich heritage. And yet here in North America, um, we, as I said, <clears throat> essentially have started a new business from scratch. Um, we announced to the trade uh, in 20 end of 2018, that we would be parting ways with Newell Brands and um, establishing our own wholly owned subsidiary here in North America. We then had, Andy, we had 12 months to build every facet of this business and then begin transacting directly with our trade partners hmm. uh, on January 1st, 2020. Okay. When you say so, starting from scratch, was it really Starting from scratch, you you had a, bl a blank piece of paper. Uh, you had to build yeah. a team and all the other all the other sure. facets of distribution and all marketing and, and everything else that goes with it. Sure, I mean it's it's pretty remarkable. It is exactly what you just described. I mean, think of every functional area of a business, um, and and having to uh, establish 
your sales and marketing team, your supply chain logistics, um, accounting finance. I mean, every part of the business we had to establish and move very quickly so as not to disrupt uh, really any of our, our, our trade partners. And um, so it was, it was an incredible challenge, but uh, at the same time, it was just uh, incredibly motivating. And, and that's really kind of the startup mentality that we began with back in 2019. And we really have tried to carry through uh, as we've operated here over the last three plus years. Okay, good. Now, Recently, you've announced a, a rebrand from Uniball to Uni. Now, it might not seem the most radical of, of name changes. I, I guess when I, when, I, when I first saw a, something in my, in my inbox about Uniball rebrands, I, I was perhaps expecting something, something a, bit, a bit different. But you know, going from Uniball to Uni, a, a symbolic change or, or, or something more than that? Uh, I think so. I think it is symbolic. I think, you know, to your point, uh, it, it may appear small, but from, from our vantage point, we would say it's quite significant. And, and really, I think the, the primary drivers or the why, if you will, of this rebrand from Uniball to Uni is it's twofold, really. Um, representation and, and relevancy, I would say, are the two big drivers. Number one, on the representation side, um, moving from Uniball to Uni, it, it, it better represents uh, where we're going and who we want to be. So where we're going, uh, opening up a much broader uh, product solution portfolio. And um, I mean, if you think about it, if you go back historically, Uniball was really born in the, the brand in 1979, uh, really inside of the rollerball category. So it, it in some ways, it, it's great and it carries tremendous brand equity, but it's quite limiting um, if you sort of go back to its roots in a very specific category. And what we, what we are planning to do, what we are doing is, is really opening up our portfolio of product solutions. That includes products that will source directly from our parent company in Japan, as well as a, as a new product development pipeline that we're building. So we want to open up the portfolio, number one. Um, we think we have a really unique vision, and we like the, the play on words there, uni and unique. Um, our vision is really to enrich lives by inspiring creativity and connection. That, that's our vision statement. And we really believe it. We love the platforms of creativity and connection. Uh, I've said this many times before. I believe we were all created to create, and we were made for meaningful human connection. And, and we have a business that has these two beautiful platforms to build off of creativity and connection. So I think you'll see more of that coming from uni. Um, and we like it too, because we think it's very unifying um, in a very challenged and often divided world. Mm. We think we've got a vision that really brings people together. So we like that. And then secondly, on the relevancy side, um, Historically, here in North America, Uniball has catered to a fairly specific demographic market, um, tended to be older business professional. And so um, we really want to reach a much broader audience and um, resonate and, and be relevant with a much broader audience, younger, maybe a little more female. 
Um, and so kind of broaden our reach on the demographic side. So those were the two big drivers behind moving from Unibal to Uni. Mm, okay. Is this something that's been driven by you and your team in North America or is it a wider international uh, move? Yeah, it's a good question. It's probably a combination of both. Um, it's certainly, we we led our efforts here in North America for all the reasons I just described, um, kind of on the representation side and relevancy. But um, more broadly speaking, globally, our parent company is Uni Mitsubishi Pencil Company. So our, our rebrand here, I think, um, aligns with with our with our parent company and uh, the corporate brand that Uni Mitsubishi carries, but it's also very much market driven here in North America. Mm, mm, mm. I think you, you did a you did an advertorial for us back in 2019, just as you were preparing to launch. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things there was, and it's something you referenced to about different demographics and, and that kind of thing, was deepened con- consumer engagement and, and growing the community on the social media with, with, with different different groups of, of of people and I guess when we look at, I've been looking at your new campaign which is called start your story which has been just launched um, to coincide with 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 your rebrand that that's a very big part isn't it tell us something a little bit about you know how how you conducted that research and perhaps some of the the findings that you came up with yeah, I mean, I think we've, um, it's been an interesting journey, as, as I mentioned, just getting the business stood up uh, in 2019 and um, beginning to transact directly with the customers in 2020. Shortly thereafter, we had this little thing called uh, COVID, uh, which disrupted quite a bit. And so in the aftermath of COVID, uh, we actually had some time to kind of really step back and look at our brand, look at our brand strategy, and look at our growth strategy. So we we did a pretty comprehensive um, brand research project as well as a growth strategy uh, project with a with a partner. And it was great. I mean, I think it was it was very telling to kind of see what are the brand perceptions, what are the growth opportunities. So we took sort of the back half of 2020 and most of 2021 to build that brand strategy as well as our three-year growth plan. And so it was really, I think, um, it was helpful. It was clarifying for the whole organization. And I, I think what we we learned through that process was, you know, some of the things I shared. We, we needed to reach a broader audience. We do operate in a large but, but very competitive space. Um, so looking for different product category expansion or adjacent category opportunities, um, looking for those opportunities, and then just really investing in the brand. It's a, it's a brand that has tremendous staying power and, and equity, and yet it just hadn't been invested in in quite some time in a meaningful way. So we really felt like we were going to double, we are doubling down on our investment in the brand that includes compelling marketing campaigns like your we've just launched last week start your story and and i've said this many times I, I say this almost weekly to our team our business we believe is really about people and and, and to a lesser extent products um, products are the, the the platform that we have um, to serve people but we are all about people 
inspiring creativity and connection. Mm -hmm. And so this new campaign of Start Your Story is sort of, uh, I think, representative of that. It's on the other side of COVID. So many people are sort of rethinking their worlds. And um, this is a, a campaign that's all about sort of empowering people, inspiring people mm -hmm. to kind of start their story wherever they may be in their journey. Okay, great. You just mentioned something I was, I was just going to ask you now, just jotting down a few notes. You, 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 obviously, COVID and the changing perceptions of, of work and, and life balance and, and those kind sure. of things, are they, to what extent is that an opportunity for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was massively disrupting. That's probably the understatement <laughs> of the year. Um, but I, th I think for us, like I said, it did give us some time to kind of go back, uh, clarify our priorities and our growth and brand strategy. I mean, you look at the market now, it's different. And so that whole B2B space, trying to sort of decipher what does return to the office look like or not look like. And I, th I think we're settling into a, a place now that it's it's clearly a hybrid Um where we'll have many working from home or remotely, uh, and then some returning to the office and then a, a hybrid thereof. Mm. And so I think that for us, um, that is, I think how we, how we serve those different markets is um, we're going to rely on partners, uh, many traditional partners that we've leaned on heavily over the years, customer partners. Um, they'll be, a direct-to-consumer component to that, just because I think consumers today expect that from a brand, and it will not be a major percent of our overall revenue, but it'll be an important part. It'll be an important connection with the mm. consumer. Um, and so, and then again, just con to continue to invest in the brand and and reach a much much bigger audience in a meaningful way. And so that's. That's kind of our strategy. Um, we'll open up some new product solutions that I mentioned. Um, we've historically been heavily on the writing side of the business here in North America. Um, but we do have a, a fairly extensive portfolio of products on the art craft side and a great brand in Posca, which um, is has, has grown throughout really the world, um, big in the UK market, France mm. as well. Um, but here in North America, we're, we're building quite a bit of momentum behind that brand. So um, we'll, we'll stay true to our, our core in the writing space, but certainly expand our offering on the art, in the art craft channel. Okay. I mean, how far would that, or how far could that expansion go? I mean, Posco, I think is traditionally a, a marking brand sure. so there's, there's that very close yeah. adjacency with, with writing so would it would it stay that close or could it expand further out into the wider art and craft segment yeah i think it's it's to be determined really um i think that we see again tremendous potential in um our core brand on, on the core writing side with uniball as well as posca in the art craft space um and I mean, the, the, the beauty there is that um, I think even with COVID, you know, many people's behaviors changed and we saw quite a quite a spike in that art craft space and that uh, the, the marker category. And so we've we've grown nicely there. We're, we're continuing to grow the Posca brand 
to your point, Andy, primarily in that in that marker space, how far we could we could broaden that solution is it is it is it to be determined? And then on the writing side, I mean, the 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 beauty of Uniball and our our core product offering there is that we 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 still sit in a really large addressable market with a relatively low market share position. So for us, I mean, it is competitive. To, to be sure, but there is significant upside market share growth potential for us. Okay, good. And to that point, I, I, I see from the press release that uh, there's a very ambitious goal to essentially double your sales to $120 million over the, over the next five years. Is that going to be purely through the organic initiatives that uh, you're going to put in place or the perhaps uh, possibilities of, of inorganic growth there as well? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is in, indeed ambitious. Uh, <laughs> it, to be sure, it is ambitious. But I would say it's achievable. And um, for many of the reasons I just shared, we we sit in a very large addressable market. Um, you know, basically over two billion dollar addressable market with a relatively low market share position. Mm-hmm. We're now beginning to invest in the brand. We're going to be bringing more product solutions to market. So. There is meaningful upside there. Um, And then again, really sort of um, investing in getting behind the the Posca brand as well here in North America in a more meaningful way. So I think the majority of it would be organic, I would Mm -hmm. say. I am always, and and we really, really need to just execute. Um, We're focusing on executing our strategy now over the next three years. And, um, and that is driven primarily by organic growth. I think on the acquisition side, um, you know, those are, it's always an opportunity yeah. and, and we, uh, we do live, we operate in a very crowded space and it's certainly the way a lot of the industry has gone on the consolidation yeah, side. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I always ask that question, but I, I kind of know in, in advance the, the, the answer that, 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 <laughs> I, that I will get. But uh, I, I, I yeah, guess if you yeah. go back to your, your, you know, your entrepreneurial startup spirit, I, I guess you've always got to be on the lookout for opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just, just going back to your, your routes to market and, and the channels that you, that you sell through, obviously there's been a lot of talk about the shift to online. How how would you say that your let's put it in inverted commas the traditional routes to market I'm talking here through the, the, the you know the wholesalers or the dealers or maybe even the you know the, the big boxes in in the US how how do you think they have evolved to meet this shift in in, in customer customer demand and customer requirements are they are they are they doing enough in that respect from from your point of view. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that migration um, to sort of online and the importance of e-commerce. I mean, that you know, that's been in motion for the better part of a decade. COVID just accelerated everything mm-hmm. um, by five to seven years, and I think I think that there are many kind of specifically you mentioned in the wholesale and independent channel. There are many that are are sort of meeting those demands and bringing uh, meaningful value in that space. 
And then there are those that, you know, have, have lacked the investment and intentionality on that front. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that um, the wholesalers and, and many of the independents are, are, are addressing those needs, addressing that shift. Um, I mean, we all, we all have to, right. Mm. There's, there's just, there's, there's no option there. So we're investing more even, even in our um, direct to consumer capability there. Like I said, I don't think it'll ever be a huge portion of our overall sales, but I think it's an important connection for us with the consumer. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's an important way to, to even learn from a kind of a market consumer research perspective, um, the different preferences of the consumer. Yeah. I mean, just how, how quickly, how, how do you go to market with, with for example, the, the dealers and, and the wholesalers? Do you have your own sales force? Do you use a, a rep group or rep groups? How, how, how does that work? Yeah, when we started the business, we, I mean, we had to stand everything up so quickly. So we relied on partners in mm. almost every functional area of the business. What we're doing now is we're shifting to, to bring more of those capabilities in-house so on the sales side, we've we've brought in uh, direct sales resources, um, marketing. We have some internal direct resources. We're bringing some creative in-house as well, but we still rely on partners. Um, we partnered with a large agency here on the campaign, Starter mm-hmm. Story campaign, and we'll continue to do that. We will. Um, we we've got a, a warehouse facility south of here, and um, basically. Uh, yeah, that's a third party partner for us. And so we service all of the trade through that, that warehouse here, just South of Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Now we're recording this kind of mid, mid July of 2022. So back to school, I'm, I'm not sure in the U S if some, if it started already the back to school season, I guess it might have, might have done in some States or it, it certainly will shortly be for, for most of the country. How's Firstly, how important is back to school for you? Well, it's interesting. Uh, back to school has sort of kicked off here in the United States. I, I saw a couple of ads yesterday, weekly ads from some major resellers that have officially kicked off the back to school selling season. And it's for the category, specifically for writing and art craft, it's hugely significant. I mean, it, it represents over a, a third of mm. the overall annual revenue for the categories. So it's hugely significant. For Uniball, it's interesting because we've tend, we've played sort of in that mid to higher tier, more business professional. So we it's not as significant for mm for Uniball historically, but I would say that's shifting. And we are, as we expand, expand different products, different price points, uh, that will play a bigger part mm. in our overall growth strategy. Yeah. How, how's the 2022 season shaping up so far? Yeah, it's an interesting time, I think, for <laughs> the world right now. I mean, the, the macroeconomic environment is is clear, clearly challenged and, and and we've all seen it. it's been well documented uh inflation bloated inventories um just an, an overall strain um on discretionary spending so that will have a big impact i think the i think the overall 
back to school selling season will be strong. I think you're probably going to see it on a unit basis, some challenges there, but given all of the inflation that we've seen, I think you're going to see some higher um, ASPs kind of drive growth yeah, sure. for the back to school yeah, selling season. Yeah. yeah, that's been a trend, hasn't it? For, for, for several months, I've been following some of the NPD data, for example. Sure. But uh, yeah, I think the, the, the yeah. price increases have masked some of the the volume exactly. de- declines. I mean, how successful have you been in passing on increases? Has it been a challenge? Yeah, it's interesting. We to be to be perfectly candid, we haven't passed through many price increases. Um, we are we're a relatively new business, and we felt like it was important um, to just con- to provide early and, and very strong service to our, our trade partners kind of without uh, some of the noise of price okay. increases. Okay. I Yet, I mean, the reality is what it is, right? I mean, uh, with labor and um, transportation costs going up, I mean, it's yeah. it's sort of the unavoidable yeah, sure. fact that we're all facing. I, I don't know if the value of the yen makes a difference to, to you and your your Yeah, your, your, yeah. Your selling price, so that yeah, yeah, it, it has, and I, I mean the yen. Certainly, we're looking at exchange rates there, and I mean I think even even more broadly, bigger picture, the just the the overall investment and continued support we are getting from our parent co has helped us uh, kind of sustain pricing. Yeah, that's that's interesting because we do hear a lot about price increases. Do you think you'll be able to? maintain this strategy and the whole prices going forward as well? Yeah, I, I mean, most certainly our desire and our intent is always to hold and maintain pricing. Um, but obviously, given all the volatility in the market, um, record levels of inflation, we're, we're, we're constantly monitoring that. We're doing as much as we can uh, on the kind of cost out efficiency side to absorb these cost increases, but like like everyone else, we're monitoring it, um, and you can only absorb so much before you, you do have to move on pricing. So, to date, uh, we're working hard to absorb and and just maintain efficiency gains. But um, yeah, we're looking at it on a daily basis. Okay. All right. Well. Wish you the the best of luck for the rest of the the back to school season and the the rest of the year and, and good luck with all your initiatives and it was a you know, great great speaking with you Mike. Thank you Andy, it was a pleasure. Okay, all the best. Take care. All the best. Thanks. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.